This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. This is the Informer Daily for Friday, the 15th of May, 2020. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Today, just in time for Ida Hobbit Day on Sunday, we've got filmmaker Logan Muka here to talk about his film We're All In This Together, which is being released to the public today. The film takes stories from everyday LGBTIQA plus folk in Melbourne and recontextualizes them and tells them in a different way. And Nicholas Kamenu-Sandri has a book review. But first, this bulletin. This is Dee Mason with the Joy 94.9 COVID-19 update for the 15th of May. National Cabinet will today discuss the economic and mental toll COVID-19 is taking on Australia as the country records its highest ever jump in unemployment. In the past month, around 600,000 people lost their jobs and an additional 600,000 people had their hours cut. Beyond the economic impact this will have, mental health experts are warning millions of dollars in additional funding will be needed to ensure mental health services can handle the increased demand. Doctors in France and northern Italy are reporting an increase in a rare illness in children, similar to the one being seen in America, Britain and Spain. The illness has symptoms like those of toxic shock syndrome and Kawasaki disease and has already claimed the lives of three children in New York. There is no confirmation that it is linked to COVID-19, but National Cabinet has requested urgent advice on it, which will likely be given at today's meeting. The Federal Health Department says the finger prick tests they bought at the height of the pandemic likely have little use in diagnosing COVID-19. One million of the test kits were purchased amid claims they were cheaper and more effective than other kits available at the time. Further testing on the kits shows they have limited use in diagnosing COVID-19 as many infected patients haven't got enough antibodies to show up on the test. The effectiveness picks up the longer the person has the infection. Italian mobsters who have been released from prison in Italy over fears of a COVID-19 outbreak behind bars are now being put back into jail. The release of 370 mafiosi was heavily criticised, especially given the strict rules around mob members in prison, meaning little contact is made between them and other prisoners. Local media is reporting one of the first prisoners to return to jail was Cosa Nostra boss Antonio Sacco. Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro is defending the climbing death toll in Brazil, saying the deaths are not equal to the economic harm of keeping the country in lockdown. He says he will talk to the governors of the states to ask them to lift their current social distancing restrictions. Over 13,000 Brazilians have died from COVID-19 and a further 196,000 are infected. It's expected these figures are much lower than the reality as testing in the country has been limited. 
Victorian Treasurer Tim Pallas says the economic impact of COVID-19 on the state will be 140 times worse than the impact of this summer's bushfires. Advice from Treasury shows the pandemic will shrink the economy by 14%, increasing the state deficit by millions of dollars in a quarter that was previously expecting a surplus. Fraser, Morton and North Stradbroke Islands will be reopened on the weekend, but they can only be visited by people who live within 150 kilometres of them. Although they will only be open for day trips for now, the Queensland State Government is hoping to be able to allow camping there by the school holidays. On the first day of eased restrictions, New South Wales has confirmed eight new cases of COVID-19. All cases are from close contacts or known hotspots. Premier Gladys Berejiklian says they are a reminder of the increased individual responsibility people must take as restrictions ease. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Melbourne-based filmmaker Logan Mucka has made a number of works. Um, His latest is We're All in This Together, which tells stories of LGBTIQA plus elders using younger people. It premiered at the Melbourne Queer Film Festival and has been to a few other festivals since then and has been really well received. I spoke with Logan about the public release. Uh, so the film is kind of made just over a year ago. It was made uh, with a City of Melbourne um, annual arts grant. And um, it's a film that it kind of explores five stories of Melbourne's queer history. Um, but instead of just kind of using the traditional approach of interviewing subjects and just letting them speak themselves, um, I wanted to engage young people actively in the project. So I got young queer uh, actors and performers in Melbourne to then perform those interviews to camera. And how did you choose who to include? Um, for the stories themselves, I wanted to make sure I had a kind of a broad cross-section um, of the community and stories that kind of went through through the decades. Um, so the first story starts in the 1950s and the, the last story is something that's kind of currently happening. So I kind of wanted to, it was just purely just um, trying to find a kind of variety and range. Uh, when I started the project, I didn't, I had a few ideas of what I wanted to do, but um, it, the project kind of started out of my my own reflection of myself that I didn't really know too much about Melbourne's queer history. Um, mm. So I went to the Australian Gay and Lesbian Archives, um, sorry, the Australian, Les- yeah, Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives, um, and a wonderful person there called Nick uh, pretty much gave me a crash course on Melbourne's queer history and I took it from there. So what sort of themes really came out when you were you were doing your research? Um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, probably sounds like a bit of a cliche, but a lot of uh, struggle. Um, <laughs> I feel that's probably a pretty common theme throughout the ages, and I think any very any queer person will be able to attest to that. Uh, probably the most uh, significant stories in their life revolve around uh, struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other thing, uh, other theme that I suppose the film itself tries to, to reflect on is memory um, and just remembering things and trying to show respect to people that have done things that have uh, have made the world a better place for us, and not forgetting that, and understanding um, and respecting those people that did that for us. The people whose stories you're telling, are they at all all featured in the film, or um, is it entirely with with younger people replacing them, or...? Yeah, so it's entirely of young people replacing them, because um, but the the stories themselves are all I kind of use this uh, 
approach that is used a bit in uh, theatre called verbatim. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, all the all the I went and interviewed these five people, and from that I did like hours of interviews, transcribed them all, had like you know tons of tons of pages of transcripts, and then those essentially were edited to, um, down into like try and get the the simplest, most kind of concise versions of their story. So it's all in the original um, interviewees' words. Um, but then, yes, yeah, so none of the original people perform who are interviewed actually in the film at all. Mm. I think that was a very clear creative decision that I just wanted young people, I wanted it to just be about young people and their reflections on those stories. Did you get much pushback on that idea? Um, no, surprisingly, I, I thought I thought I would, because uh, obviously to it, some people... Um, got it straight away uh when i but a few of them obviously took a bit of explaining and i think me trying to explain the process to them i was like oh so i'm going to interview you um but you're not going to be in the film um i don't think you know a few of them were kind of like they didn't quite understand but i think when they finally saw the film uh we launched in the gallery um and then they all everybody came to see the film and they all saw it and they all just were like absolutely amazed and blown away of it and they thought it was so powerful to see the stories told by someone else. So I think conceptually it was hard to understand for a few of them until they actually saw the final product. Um, but yeah, in terms of the pushback, no, I think at the end, everybody kind of understood the aims that, you know, the aim was to kind of relive this history in a new way. What got you interested in this idea? Well, to be honest, I think it came from a shortfall in my knowledge. Like um, I kind of, my, you know, obviously I knew we kind of went through the HIV AIDS crisis, but I never really knew any of the specifics of that. I knew we had a gay liberation here, you know, and uh, I knew about the Tasty Nightclub raids that happened in the 90s. But um, my knowledge is kind of quite thin. I've done a lot of documentaries overseas before about gay rights. So I did uh, and queer rights. Um, so I knew a lot about uh, those issues overseas. Um, and I've done, when I went to, I was in Sydney doing my postgrad studies in filmmaking. So I made a film about um, Mardi Gras and the origins of that. But, you know, when we talk about... Uh, history in Australia, you know, we always kind of gravitate towards Mardi Gras, but nobody really knows much about Melbourne. So it kind of came out of a birth of my own lack of knowledge and then understand, realizing that a lot of people my age in the queer community didn't know it either. So um, I think, you know, that was the main thing. I wanted to understand more myself and I wanted to, to help other people my age understand it as well, the history that came before us. Mm. And what sort of work um, have you done overseas? Uh, so years ago, or oh, take me back, when I first started uh, making documentaries, I made, it's coming up almost 10 years now, I did a feature documentary called East Block Love, um, which is about queer rights across Eastern Europe um, in Eastern Bloc, which focused on Belarus's uh, first Pride Parade, um, which was, you know, a horrible affair. There was a group of uh, young activists, um, you know, the police came and arrested and beat up everyone. Um, and then, so I made a documentary about that that, was, that went quite well. And then the next year I went off to to Moscow um, to participate and kind of document um, the pride that happened there in Red Square. That would have been 2011. Um, and then from then I've just kind of, you know, I've done a lot of other things, but I've kind of quite uh, just been exploring my form, I suppose, in short filmmaking and done a lot of trying to focus those stories back home since then. So it's usually about queer rights, queer stories, queer culture. Um, I did one for the, the ABC a couple of years ago called um, Danny Boy, which is on I view still about uh, drag king culture in Melbourne. Um, so all bits and pieces, usually about yeah, gay rights, queer rights, and queer histories. This film is has been premiered at the uh, Melbourne Gay and Lesbian Film Festival. Is that is that correct? 
Oh, which one? Sorry, it, it, sorry, it premiered. Uh, so it premiered at. Uh, we had a kind of gallery uh, launch at a gallery called West Space, and so that was just kind of like a, a launch that was uh, close people involved in the film. But our proper premiere was at um, our festival premiere was at Melbourne Queer Film Festival. Oh, yep. Um, and that and that was that was the most beautiful experience because we had a panel discussion with it as well. Um, so we had the five uh, original the people whose stories they were based on, the five of them sitting up together in the panel mm. um, was just, was, was a beautiful thing. It was kind of like a beautiful end to the, I suppose, the whole production uh, process for me to see those five people together for the first time, you know, sitting there talking about the film was, was amazing. What was it like having an audience see your work for the first time? Uh, Nerve wracking. I'm not one of those, some film, most filmmakers are kind of in one or two categories. I think either they, they like thrive off people watching this stuff, but I'm in the, I think I'm more process oriented. Like I love making the films, uh, but distributing it, you know, watching people watch a film terrifies me. And especially with this film, having it premiere the first night at the gallery, because we had a lot of the, the actors and a lot of the original cast, you know, there wasn't a Q and A, but we had, everyone was there. And like I said, you know, a lot of the people who were involved in the film didn't quite understand the concept. And so having them come and watch the film, terrified like i just kind of think i sat there just nervous the whole night waiting for their responses um but everyone just uh loved it in the end it was it was amazing you know jude munro was there um who's the ceo of the pride center you know she was there she came a bit late and then the film was playing on repeat all night and she sat and watched the film and she um i was just she's very very uh forthright woman and then, so i was very I was, I was very anxious about her response because she wouldn't if she hated it she would have told me she hated it but um <laughs> But then she came up and like gave me a big hug afterwards and told me it was beautiful and then that, that just that just made my day. Mm. So everyone, yeah. So that was it was very nerve wracking watching these people to see how they'd react. But everyone had the most amazing response to it, which, which was great. And it's played in other festivals around the world. Is that yes? Correct? It's it's gone quite well. Yeah. So mostly it's kind of we focused domestically because it's it is a very very local story, very particular to Australia. So we've you know. Had a lot of luck, you know, we played at art galleries, we've played at um, short film festivals, you know, it was in uh, Mighty Graph Film Festival this year, documentary film festivals. Um, overseas, it played in Mezipatra in uh, in Chechia, which was formerly Czech Republic, but um, that's a huge, the biggest queer film festival in Eastern Europe. And um, uh, so I'm very, I love that festival. But so, yeah, but mostly, mostly domestic uh, short film festivals and queer film festivals and human rights film festivals. So it's gone quite, yeah, the last year it's kind of gone around Australia a couple of times over, um, which has been great. And I think, you know, we probably would have kept on going, but I think because of uh, COVID, um, with festivals uh, shutting down, it just felt like the right time, especially with Ida Hobbit coming up this Sunday, it just felt like the right time to finally release it online. And where can people watch? We're all in this together. Uh, so if you just uh, go to my website, it'll be on the front page, which is www.logannuka.com. And Muka is M-U-C-H-A, like Mucha. So, LoganMucha.com. <laughs> and uh, how long will it be up for streaming? Is it permanently it there? Will be or? Up, yeah, up indefinitely. Up indefinitely. So, we've kind of done a... Uh, we've kind of just kind of launched it um, to mark uh, Ida Hobbit on Sunday. So, we just kind of released it a little bit early. Um, but it'll be up... We're kind of doing a big release this Sunday. And it'll be, um, be up there permanently. What sort of projects are you working on now? Um, so I'm working on a few things at the moment. So I've got a project which is kind of uh, something I've put on hold at the moment, um, obviously because we haven't been able to shoot, but we'll be shooting mm-hmm. and picking it up again in a few months. So that's a project, another one supported by the City of Melbourne, which is about uh, climate change, um, mm-hmm. in particularly in Victoria and Melbourne, 
um, and looking at that through the lens of young people uh, who will have to, I suppose, bear the brunt of what will happen. So it's about engaging young people and letting them tell their stories and their views on what's going to happen to them in the future. Um, and then I've got a couple other things which have been uh, I've got funding for, but I probably can't announce until they get publicly announced. But I've got a few another little queer project on the way, um, which kind of reflects on on lockdown at the moment. Um, so that'll be up in the next few weeks. And yeah, I've got a couple more things in the works, but I can't mention anything at the moment. <laughs> mm. One of my thoughts about this time is that it's so extraordinary, and then as soon as it ends, people will slowly start to forget but it'll happen a lot faster than than they think and i think it's important that we capture the stories of what life is like now yeah definitely and um, i think all these kind of things it, it's like that you know we unfortunately we have we it's not our fault particularly our fault but everyone has this uh sort of memory syndrome and we all kind of we manage we go through these big crises and then we kind of forget about what happens as soon as we go back to normal really really quickly the new normal, whatever that is. The new normal, yeah. <laughs> whatever that, whatever that is. <laughs> mm. Um. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, no, that's it. I think. Yeah. I just. I'd love for everyone to kind of jump on and have a look. I think you know, there's a lot to learn about our queer history uh, locally, especially everyone in Melbourne that could be listening that we don't know about, um, or ha- you know, seeing different perspectives of those stories told. And I think it's just. Um, you know, this whole project's about trying to remember and honour those people that have come before us and to acknowledge that there's still ongoing problems today. Um, and I think it's just about, you know, it's funny that the film's called We're All In This Together because that's become a bit of a, a slogan at the moment. Mm. Um, <laughs> for the government campaigns, you know, is, you know, came up a little while before, before all that. But I think, you know, that whole idea came about for our queer community to understand that, you know, there's so many different facets of our community. community. I think it's about trying to build unity and, uh, you know, acknowledging there's different people and that we should kind of come together and uh, respect each other a little bit more. That's Logan Mucka, filmmaker and storyteller. The Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. It's time for a book review. Here's Nicholas Kamenyer Sandry. So, Pantomime by Laura Lamb. It's another fantasy novel, and I know I keep saying that it's not really my genre, but I just find that I'm recommending a lot of them these days. Sorry about that. Um, but the reason why I want to recommend this one is this one's, it's not medieval fantasy, it's set quite a ways into the future about around or after the Industrial Revolution. It's sort of like turn of the 19th or 20th century. But the setting is not really what's that important. The most important thing is obviously the protagonist, but this protagonist is something else. So the protagonist is an intersex, gender-fluid trapeze artist. So 
Jean Loris runs away from home, uh, changes her name to Micah Gray, uh, is gender fluid, so um, that means that they can uh, change between either being a girl or a boy, depending. They're intersex, meaning that their physical sex characteristics are ambiguous, and they can just sort of slip into either the role of Micah Gray, the man, or Jean Loris, the woman. And they use that to run away from home because they don't want to be a debutante who's married off to some guy and join the circus where they discover a community of estranged LGBT people. And it's actually a really, really good kind of slice of life fantasy book for the most part. Like most of the book is either dedicated to Jean Loris's life, you know, as a debutante, as a young woman whose mother is trying to marry her off. And because she, Jean Loris, is intersex, the mother, her plan is kind of just get her daughter married off as fast as possible, hope that the man doesn't notice until the ink is dry on the marriage certificate. Um, And Jean finds that this is not to her liking. She doesn't like being used as a pawn in her mother's game to save her status. And she also um, finds that her mother is not treating her with bodily autonomy and dignity. She keeps getting, you know, rushed off to a doctor's clinic every other month to try and fix her problem, which if you actually... um, understand the intersex community that is actually a problem that exists today many intersex babies toddlers children have surgeries done on them to fix quote-unquote their physical sex characteristics uh, which is a form of abuse you know it, it just is and Jean Loris runs away from that becomes Micah Gray and finds himself now in a circus As a trapeze artist, you know, he starts training as one because he's just naturally acrobatic and uh, gets to know all of these, you know, outcasts, vagabonds, deviants and so on in the circus. And what I loved about the circus is that it's not like this idyllic little community of people who are otherwise just totally innocent like there is some tension there's some bullying there's there's a lot of uh sort of unsavory characters in the circus you know these are people who found themselves on the fringes of society and you know it's affected who they are as people and some of them were put on the fringes of society because they were LGBT in some way. You've got, you know, gay men, you've got bisexual people, you've got a lot of people who just don't fit the normal uh, stereotypes. And what exemplifies to me what's really great about this novel's take on these sorts of people is that at the circus there is a freak show, but all the freaks are dressed up, obviously. But they're only sort of half dressed up. So the the example is uh, the bearded lady. You know, every circus has a bearded lady. And um, and Micah, when he first arrives, sees this bearded lady and is like, oh, there's a lady with a beard. But then backstage, the lady obviously takes off the fake beard, but she still has some prominent facial hair underneath. It's just that the fake beard emphasizes something that she already has that's considered by, you know, proper mainstream society to be you know unbefitting of a woman and so there the, the people in the circus they 
have these deviancies from what's considered normal, but their so-called deviancies are not, like, spectacular in order to actually sell their deviancies as some kind of spectacle that's worth people paying money to see. They actually have to exaggerate them because they're not deviant enough from what's considered normal to be uh, considered a spectacle, but they are still deviant enough to be considered an outcast from society in the first place. So it's this kind of really interesting take on, you know, what makes people an outcast versus what makes them a spectacle. Like, and really in real life, nobody should be a spectacle. Um, But also, like, we consider, you know, in our society, we consider minor discretions from what we define as normal to be worthy of pushing someone to the fringes of excluding them from what they want to do or what we want from most other people and we try to push them out of you know our spaces and oftentimes what they do that we consider to be a violation of normalcy is not even like worthy enough of our of our you know ire that we would consider it to be spectacular like it's just this small discretion and that's something that i thought was a really interesting thing about this novel the story is fantastic a lot of it is just getting to know a big series of characters you know jean loris as a debutante young woman we get to know a few of her suitors a few of her friends who she grew up with um we get to know her parents we get to know the community the upper class community where people are kind of vying for social status and then after she becomes micah gray and he runs away from home um Mike through Micah's eyes we get to know this circus we get to know you know the poorer classes the working class the underclass um the people who are considered deviants and you know not normal and it's not like a high fantasy adventure um so don't go in expecting Lord of the Rings you know there's no um you know big great war at least not in this book because it is a trilogy and yeah I consider it to be a very very interesting fantasy novel a little bit unusual for fantasy it's a little bit more you know slice of life in two different directions but yeah I recommend it because it is a very unique novel and I liked it a lot it's very easy to read I recommend it I hope you pick it up I hope you enjoy it thanks for listening (laughs) thanks nick that sounds pretty interesting That's all for us this week. I'd like to thank Nicholas Kamenu-Sandry, Dee Mason, Emily Johnson, Jordan Johnstone, Rachel Tyler-Jones, and Barry, all of the people at the Community Radio Network for helping make this happen. I'd also like to thank you, our brilliant audience, for listening. I'd love to hear what you think about the program. Send an email to us, theinformer at joy.org.au, and let us know what you'd like to hear. I'm your host and executive producer, Arian Potts, and we'll be back on Monday. Mahalo. Thank you.
Summer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.